Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. First Peter chapter 3, reading from verse 18. That's where we, we left off the other time. 19, 20, 21, and 22. Let's get into the text. First Peter chapter 3 from verse 18. For Christ also has once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a preparing, wherein few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him in Jesus' name. Here ends the reading of his holy word. Hallelujah. Well, we thank God so much. And I, I, I the, the scripture we read is a very, very interesting scripture. As I was explaining in the previous teaching, that Jesus Christ didn't die for um, himself. He died for our sins from the text. He died for our sins, the just for the unjust. Watch this, to bring us to God. Okay, that's very important. So his suffering, as I said in the, one of the previous teachings, that the sufferings of Christ brings us to God. He died that he might bring us to God. He suffered that he might bring us to God. And we are called to follow his example. As I taught the other time, Jesus' death is not only redemptive, only not for redemptive purposes, that's mainly for it, but it's also and for is exemplary. So his death is redemptive and is also exemplary to the redeemed. All right. So when we are redeemed, we can look at his suffering to also go on to, uh, to the to suffer according to First Peter two twelve that people will see our works as they behold our good works carries. This is First Peter two nineteen. This is grace. Okay. This is acceptable. This is commendable. Right. So for this is thankworthy. That is grace. So verse twelve that whilst we live this life, people see that uh, they behold our conversation. Okay. Uh, whereas they speak against us, they by our good works, these good works may uh, which they behold glorify, you see that glorify God in the day of visitation. So what am I trying to suppose? What I'm trying to say is that when we become, um, when we become born again, all right, the life of Christ in us empowers us to live a certain life for him. And then that life includes being able to take on suffering for him. All right. Now, when we suffer for him, he is our ultimate example, our ultimate role model for suffering. We look at him and as we look at Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. So we look at him who endured, it empowers us to be able to also endure doing the right thing. Now, he suffered to bring us to God. We suffer to bring God to men because it says that they will glorify God in us. So when they see how how 
our lifestyles are it forces them to see god in us actually and they glorify god in us hallelujah i see that's what's going to happen to you right in your family in your marriage in your community in your neighborhood and in your school in, in every everywhere you find yourself amongst people they will see your good works they will see your lifestyle and give god glory that is happening so then he says that jesus christ to bring us to to god being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the spirit these are two very interesting uh, 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 statements he was put to death in the flesh okay so when we say christ died he died the, the people say do you mean god died no not that god died god didn't die but the christ in the flesh the flesh because spirits don't die so his flesh went through death hallelujah his flesh went through death so his flesh went through death he died he died but not his spirit so here bible says that being put to death in the flesh all right it says again um being put to death in the flesh so he was put to death in the flesh in the flesh but he was quickened he was energized he was empowered bible says that he was empowered by the spirit okay so uh, new king james version being put to death in the flesh but made alive that made alive he was still living but strengthened in his spirit so even though he was on the cross dead in the spirit he was still alive hallelujah that is why you could tell in luke chapter 23 verse 43 he could tell he could tell the thief on the cross that today you will be with me in paradise uh, but you are dying no we are just checking out we are checking out that what does that mean that means that there is another world there is a the, the physical world is not all that there is there is another world coexisting hallelujah i'm talking about the coexisting invisible world the coexisting invisible world there is a coexisting invisible world and so jesus christ he died in the flesh so on the cross they saw a dead christ but guess what he checked out from the flesh and yet even though he was dead in the flesh in the spirit he was alive hallelujah in the spirit he was alive and look at the next verse the next verse says that but quickly in the spirit by which okay in other through which through the same means by which means he's quickening in the spirit by which he went and preached unto the spirits in prison this is interesting so whilst his body was on the cross he himself by his spirit which is divine his spirit is god okay he was somewhere he went somewhere where did he go bible says that by which he preached he preached unto the spirits in prison at this juncture i would like to take a little detour and explain a few things and come back into the text which is very important number one the first thing i want to talk about is that for us to just be aware that there is a coexisting invisible world all right and it's not like later on they kick into effect or they come they become effective they are, there's actually an effectual coexisting invisible world alongside us just like the way somebody can that's why social distancing became a necessary uh, part of our times that there's someone who is your loved one 
is your is your friend is your loved one is your is your wife a husband your i mean your sister brother mom and has been infected but you do, you do you don't know the the virus are operating freely on the person's hand and the, around the person but you wouldn't know because there are, there's a kind of a coexisting vi viral world but we don't know and so you shake the person you hang the person you didn't give or even just the person you sat in the bus with the person is has it but the person may not know and you might not know because there it has a coexist there's another world now this is not the same world i'm talking about even the virus is within the world of the natural the physical world but i'm talking about the spiritual world there is a spiritual world there is a coexisting world so like when you go deep into the sea deep some some miles several meters down deep where people normally can go divers go and they see all kinds of things creatures and stuff that some monsters and strange things that are there but you wouldn't know in the same way in the spirit there is a coexisting world there is a coexisting spiritual world that you would not know but it's real it's real now the other time when i was teaching on uh, i think the resurrection of christ the burial resurrection of, i spoke about how when jesus died he um I, I think i was teaching on one of the subjects i spoke about how when we die the people in the departed world all right they see us or they are aware of us but they can't communicate with us and we cannot communicate with them but they can communicate amongst themselves you know, but we can communicate with them. You are not allowed to move from there into this side or the, from this side to communicate with them. Anytime someone is communicating with the dead, usually with the dead, usually demons impersonate the dead and lead people astray. That's why God forbids that because there will be one or two instances extremely where it happened in scripture. But that's not my point here. The point here is that there is a coexisting world. So that's the, that's, that's, that's the world of the departed. But this, I'm talking about the spiritual world, which has a direct impact and influence on our natural world, on our natural world. And so that's number one, there is a coexisting spiritual world. And the two, what I want you us to understand about this coexisting spiritual world is it is in conflict with the, the things of God. The coexisting spiritual world is in conflict with the things of God. So there are these demons and forces and fallen angels who have determined that the purpose of God in your life, the programs of God, the, the plan of God in your life, on this earth, in your life, in our nation, in our family, in, in our community will not be fulfilled. And God uses us to fulfill that. So you can imagine the enemies are in the realm of the spirit. They are actually physically... Uh, 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 Sorry, actually fighting us through every means. Just that they are disembodied beings. They are beings without bodies. So you won't see them, but they are real. That is why every Christian needs to be aware. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12 said, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Ah, we are wrestling? Yeah, we are. Hand-to-hand -hand compact. Yes, we are. But it's not against physical things. But it's against invisible stuff. Principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness. They are real. These things are real. We wrestle against them. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4. Said, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of all strong. We are, what we use to fight, the weapons of our warfare is not physical, natural, not carnal, but they are mighty. It's effective. 
And so there are real spiritual world, and in the spiritual world, coexisting spiritual world, there is a severe, a serious con combat, conflict between the side, the things of God, or between them and against the things of God. They fighting, they fighting. That's why Satan will fight you becoming a Christian. Satan will fight your growing as a Christian. He will fight your involvement in the work of God. Satan will fight your, you know, there have been people who've told me that. Oh, when I, I, when I get born again, I, in fact, my friend, my, my sister, my mother, my uncle, they actually sometimes encourage me now, why don't you go to church? Now that I started going to church serious, they've all ganged up against me and turned against me. I'm confused. I'm confused. But I thought they like church. They've ganged up. You see, it is not them. They are invisible. As long as you do it religiously, you are just practicing religion, Satan doesn't mind. But if you begin to practice godliness, practice Christianity, practice uh, work by faith, Satan will begin to come after you. But there's good news. I said there is good news. He doesn't have the power. Uh, there's good news. Amen. And so there, there's, uh, there's com conflict going on. And you know when the conflict started? It started right from the Garden of Eden, actually from heaven, when he was thrown down. All right, so he couldn't fight the body was thrown down. And in the Garden of Eden, he came to the woman and deceived the woman. And then God said, because you have done this, I'll put enmity between you and the woman, and her seed shall bruise your head. You will bruise his heel, Genesis 3.15. So from that time, Satan said, ah, okay, that's God's plan to fight me and deal with me. How is he going to deal with me? He said, I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Ah, so I'm going to hurt him, but he's going to crush my head. So from that time, Satan targeted every seed that could come from the woman. That looks righteous. If you look unrighteous, he doesn't have a problem. But as soon as you look righteous, Satan said, ah, that's another one. This is potentially going to be my downfall. So guess what? He targeted um, Cain, uh, Abel. As soon as Abel, the righteous one, was born and began practicing righteousness, Satan inspired Cain, kill him, get rid of him, get rid of him because I know God's plan to deal with me is that he's uh, um, the seed of the woman. So any righteous person that comes from the woman, we have to attack them, righteous. And so get rid of uh, um, Abel. And then he wasn't successful. He got rid of Abel, but God's plan could not be stopped. Seth came and then he came. Then Abraham, he saw that Abraham, out of Abraham, or, or, or before Abraham Noah, we're going to Noah in a minute. So he targeted humanity to destroy humanity from Noah's time. He targeted to do what was unacceptable, to destroy humanity in the times of Noah, but he wasn't successful. It, it, then God formed a group of people from Abraham and he realized, ah, these Jews, they are dangerous to me. If God is going to use one of the people from this nation, then let me find a way of getting rid of the nation. And so he, in, the, in the days of Esther, Haman tried to get rid of the Jews. They, the, the enemy has always targeted to wipe out these people called the Jews because they are the righteous seed of God. And when he got also know that is going to be a seed of Abraham, he, he targeted Isaac, he targeted Jacob, he targeted Jacob's children and then when he wasn't successful he found out later through god's prophecies god will always speak about what he will do god doesn't do without speaking and so that's why we always have to bend our ears to hear and when he speaks his power is released and so he targeted david god told david i'm going to raise a seed from a, 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 a seed from your body 
He is going to be the Messiah. He is going to be the Ah. So Satan targeted the seed of David and he determined that I'm going to wipe out every descendant of David or or every one who is in the royal line because he, he saw from God's word that somebody who is going to come from David is going to be a king and that's going to have an everlasting king. Kingdom said, "This is the guy." So he targeted to the extent that I was I was sharing with some people yesterday. There's a woman called Atalia, Atalia, dangerous person. Atalia, he she determined to wipe out. Bible says that in according to Second Kings chapter eleven, uh, I think verse seven, eight, nine, somewhere there. He, he she she desired and determined to clean to clean out the descendants of. Uh, David or anyone who from verse one actually second Kings chapter 11 uh, from verse one downwards it talks about how she decided to get rid of anybody and Atalia the mother of Ahaziah saw that her son, son was there she arose and destroyed all the royal heirs anyone who is potentially going to be uh, a king she arose to destroy them but God there was one only one Joash who was saved for Joash was hidden so Satan has always tried to target and destroy this potential seed coming. So it, there's always been a combat, fighting, looking for who God is going to use. That is why you became born again. And suddenly it's like all, all hell has broken loose on you. That is why you are trying to press on into God. Suddenly the things that you, you never got access to, but you would have loved to have had access to. That was a, your biggest desire. Now that you are pursuing God, now these things are now being used to tempt you. Something that you really would like. Now Satan is throwing offers you to, uh, towards you or when he sees it's not working he's using every means to fight you and pull you down but thank big to god who gives us the victory who causes us to triumph in christ jesus for in christ jesus we are more than conquerors through whom who love us for this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith shout hallelujah and so we are on the winning side so satan has tried and then jesus was born he said ah when he was a child, actually he tried to wipe out all the male child from Moses' time when he knew a deliverer was coming. He tried it, but it wasn't successful. And then Jesus was born and he said, let's get rid of all the boys. Get rid of all boys under two years. He killed everybody, but it wasn't successful. And then later, Jesus emerges after being baptized. His first attempt to preach in his hometown, he inspired, Satan inspired the people to go and throw him down the cliff to kill him. From that time, there was always an assassination attempt on Jesus regularly, regularly, regularly. Because Satan said, if, and now I've seen this, the guy, if we can kill him, we can end the plan of God. Eventually, they got him through the cross. Somebody shout hallelujah. They got him through the cross, but the cross was not a defeat. The cross was not a defeat. So I want us to understand that there was a battle going on and contest going on. And Satan has always wanted to, to spoil the work of God or kill or terminate God's agenda on earth. That's number two and then number three it's very important i want you to understand this in the days of noah the first fall when adam sinned he didn't see man is three tripartite okay three soul sorry spirit soul and body according to first thessalonians chapter 5 verse 24 so spirit soul and body so human beings spirit soul and body and i watch this 
in the spirit he should have had because god is a spirit john chapter 4 verse 24 god is a spirit so he should have and if you want to deal with god if you have to if you want to have interaction with god you have to engage your spirit it's because it's a spirit but man disengaged his spirit and he engaged his soul that's the first fall so he didn't use his spirit so satan appealed bible said when she saw genesis chapter um pray when she saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes you see she saw mm, good for food appealing to her soul pleasant to the eye a tree desire to make one wise pride so all that is it so she engaged her soul instead of engaging her spirit to communicate with god he didn't she didn't engage her soul and so the first fall came as a result of not engaging as her spirit brothers and sisters that's why we cannot afford not to build our spirit man through hearing god's word and reading god's word and practicing god's word and praying okay praying reading god's word and being in fellowship and sharing God's word and practicing God's word. These are the things that build your spirit, man. So when we had the lockdown, a lot of people were stifled in their spirit, man. So their minds, they are not soul taking and Satan can influence your mind so easily when your spirit is not active. So people begin to backslide. Oh, I don't really like church. When the lockdown is lifted and we start going back to church, we will see those who have stayed in the soul because actual human to human person to person fellowship has something that it does directly to your spirit i'm talking about physical fellowship and that is god's ideal all right so when we get every christian should look for opportunity to fellowship every christian you have to jump grasp it when you get the opportunity to fellowship grasp it satan can use so many things to distract us but in the absence of actual fellowship this is this is at least better it's better to keep yourself in fellowship. It keeps your spirit growing. If you disengage your spirit, Satan will have an upper hand over you. If you disengage your spirit, you don't work with God because of willpower or mind power. You work with God based on your spirit, spirit, the strength within your spirit, the, the resurrecting, the resur the resurrection power in your spirit. That's how we work with God. Anyway, and so man did exercise his spirit. And then so the second fall comes in man falls further what's the second fall when cain decided to serve god his own way give sacrifice that does not bleed to god meanwhile because of the fall genesis chapter 3 verse 21 god himself got a bleeding sacrifice to cover man so how come that cain just from his own will from his own progress his own efforts try to Ask God, you have to accept this. But there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. So we need blood. Every sacrifice must be a bleeding, acceptable to God, must be a bleeding sacrifice. God, God accepts bleeding sacrifice because of the fall. So um, religion is to devise your own way of reaching out to God and expecting God to accept it. So he engages over over engage his soul man over engage his soul so much that he fell further now the third fall was even the worst so the first fall was he didn't engage his spirit and then the second fall was he overindulged in his soul and then the third fall was the time of noah this is very important the time of noah what happened at the time of noah in the in the book of genesis chapter 6 verse 1 2 3 the sin of man became so bad 
In verse 1 says that now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. This is very interesting. I'm going to something. Verse 2, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful. They were nice girls. They were fine girls. And they took wives for themselves of all who they chose. So they were choosing these girls. But who are these sons of God? They are different theological thoughts. Some people believe that they are the righteous people who are doing the right thing, things for God. However, they fell, they backslid. And you no, know, just like say, the church brother is now backsliding and is with that girl because the girl has taken away your righteousness. <laughs> hey, all right. So people believe that it's like righteous people who have now fallen to um, sexual immorality. All right. But when you look at the context very carefully, the sons of God there is not talking, making reference to natural human beings. Okay, now look at verse 3. Bible says that, and they have now the thing, humanity has been polluted so much. The Lord said, my spirit shall not strive with man forever, for he is indeed flesh. Now he has become full flesh, in, full of lust, full of extreme lustful, evil, offensive behavior. So the Spirit of God said, no, no, I have to withdraw now. I was trying to protect man from going further. But now, because of the engagement of these fallen beings, or these sons of God, they mixed themselves with the, with the daughters of men, and they began to produce some things. Let's go to the verse 4. Let me, let me show you something. So there were giants on the earth in those days, and also afterwards, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them. Those were the mighty men who were of old and of renown. These children were some, the original Hebrew, the, the, the translation is Nephilims. Nephilims is like a hybrid between, uh, um, uh, yeah, Nephilim. The Nephilims were on the earth. So it's not like giants, tall people. But these were kind of strange, interesting personalities because the sons of God have intermarried, have married. So they have watched it. This is very important, brothers and sisters. It's like the sons of God mixed themselves and took upon, they went outside of their boundaries. They went outside of their their original normal boundaries into territories that they were not supposed to go and then through that through that engagement produce a hybrid a, a kind of a mixture of you know is it is this a goat or a dog is it a horse or a a, um, a, a horse or a cow is it a lion or a tiger <laughs> what is this is this a human being or oh, a gorilla? What is this? This is a mixture the, the, the mixed through sexual intercourse. And so they've gone too far. And so these people, it became widespread. And these people polluted humanity, invented very unique ways of sinning heavily and taking your sins as far as possible. And so now God said, man is flesh, my spirit shall not dwell with him. So God said, but Noah found favor because Noah was a righteous man. And God told Noah, Noah, I need you to build me an ark. Genesis chapter 6. Said, Noah, I need you to build me an ark. And but Noah, because he was, he was 
a preacher, I'll show you. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. So he wasn't just building an ark. For 120 years, the building of the ark took 120 years. And guess what? why did it take 100, 120 years? Because there was a man called Methuselah. Methuselah means that when he dies, it shall happen. So his father, Enoch, prophesied that when Methuselah, his grandfather, when Methuselah dies, it shall happen. So Enoch prophesied, but no one understood his prophecy. And so, and that's why he lived 969 years. It was a reflection of how long God was willing to wait. Don't forget all these points I'm making because the patience of God, someone say the patience of God. So it was a reflection of the patience of God. I don't know what is going on in your life, my brother. The patience of God will run out one of these days. I don't know what is going on in your, in your life, my sister. The patience of God might run out one of these days. Because Bible says God is long-suffering. He is willing to suffer long just so that somebody will repent. I think in, in um, 2 Peter chapter 3 or so, it says that God does not count slackness. or God is not slack like those who count slackness. But he is long-suffering hoping or waiting for someone who repent. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So there might be something going on in your life, and it's not like God who can't do anything. He can, God can, God can, but he's just holding back so that somebody just repents. He's holding back so you will repent. But it looks like you are enjoying it further. You are doing it further. You don't know when the patience of God will run out because there is nothing. There is no meter. There is no measuring apparatus to measure the patience of God to know that now it's full. No, you don't know. Like when I'm driving my car, I can tell the, the tank is full. The tank is half, half empty. The tank is only three quarters. Uh, a, a, a quarter. The tank is now in reserve, running reserve. I can tell because there's a fuel gauge. I can tell I'm, make, I'm, I'm doing 60, 60 miles per hour, 20 miles per hour, 10 miles per hour. I can tell because there is a speedometer. I can tell. But when it comes to the anger of God, you can't tell when you are running over, when you are going far. So I, 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 I believe that somebody, God is talking to somebody, enough is enough. Lay down that behavior lay down that direction give it up and move towards the purpose of god move towards my brother move towards the purpose of god you know god has called you to do his work you are still waiting when are you waiting when when how long you will you wait you know god is calling you to be born again you know god is calling you to repent but how long will you wait you know god is telling you to leave that relationship get out of that relationship get out of that relationship but you are still enjoying it and going on Hoping that God will say it's okay. Hoping that one day when you are tired, you yourself, don't do it in your own time. Because God's patience might run out. He's long-suffering. Hoping that, desiring that we should come to repentance. But he's long-suffering towards us. Willing, willing that any should, uh, not willing that any should perish, but rather that we should come to repentance. God help us in the mighty name of Jesus. So, Noah was preaching for 120 years, preaching, preaching for 120 years, and they were not changing because God was waiting, hoping they would change, helping, willing that this guy should not perish. But they were actually going farther and farther and farther to the extent that God said, I've had enough now. Noah, is the ark ready? 
Once the ark is ready, you, your wife, your three sons and their three wives, eight of you, enter the ark. And some animals have chosen and some creatures have chosen just to preserve it. Enter. I'm going to wipe everything out because of this Nephilim and this sons of God. And God said, watch this, watch this. And God dealt with them. But what we didn't know is that what happened in the invisible, existing invisible world. Yeah, something happened in the existing invisible world. God said, you these angels, you have, you have, you are, you've gone beyond your bounds. You've stepped outside of your bounds. You, you, how can demons be mixed with human beings? Now, Pastor Hart, why do you say it's demon? The sons of God, when you read Job chapter 1, verse 6, he calls the angels the sons of God. Job chapter 2, verse 1, he calls the angels the sons of God. Job chapter 38, verse 7, he calls the angels the sons of God and the morning stars. Okay, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Now, this is talking about angels. Why morning stars? Angels are sometimes, the angels are sometimes referred to as stars. They are referred to as stars. So don't let us be fooled just by somebody being a star because angels are also referred to as stars and even the fallen angels were also stars. And so morning stars, why morning stars? Because they were the early part of God's creation. God created them before the rest of the universe. So they were the morning stars. In Revelation chapter 12, verse 4, Bible says that the tail of Satan and the tail drew third of the stars in heaven and threw them on the earth. That's talking about Satan. So the stars in heaven refers to the, uh, the angels. Revelation chapter 9, verse 1, it talks about the star. And then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star falling, uh, falling from heaven to the earth. So a star, this is talking about Satan. Satan himself is called the day star. Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Satan is referred to as the day star as the day star, all right? Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12. Oh, Lucifer, son of the morning. Some translation says that the day star. Lucifer is a day star who became Satan, day star. So Satan himself is, uh, is known in scripture as the star. It's very important. Oh, how, how um, amplify? How have you fallen from heaven? Oh, uh, uh, light bringer and day star son of the morning so now back so that sons of god the angels of god in scriptures were sometimes referred as sons of god so in genesis chapter 6 when the sons of god came and took verse verse 4 sons of god they saw the daughters of men they saw that girls were fine and they wanted to have affair with girls they now so how can spirits have affair with human beings it's, we don't know but it, it, potentially they adapted or they overtook they took human human vessels so some human beings were possessed you can see this a human being but it's possessed by a real devil sometimes when you look at the face and you look at the behavior we have a lot of them nowadays around <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot of them now and you can't believe that somebody will say i belong to satan so satan can possess people to a certain level but these ones they possessed and they they used their fallen spirits and mingled it mixed it with human nature hey that was going far because they are trying to abolish the purpose of god if you can pollute all human beings through the institution of marriage let's pollute them through marriage 
we can we can abort the plan of God. And God said, no, 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 no. I got to do something. And so when he, that's why he wiped out everybody apart from the righteous Noah and his family. And guess what? And the angels who, had, who did that, do you know what happened to them? Do you know what happened to them? I'll tell you what happened to them. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. And then we we'll go to Jude, verse 6. 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4. Please put it on the screen. Let's look at something. It says that, For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, by, but cast them down into hell. The word hell, okay, in some other translations is uh, the, the pit. Or ta- the actual Greek word is Tartarus. Tartarus. He cast them into Tartarus and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for, a, for judgment. This special type of, these extreme angels where Bible said God did not spare them. God said, I'm still in charge. Don't be fooled. I'm still in charge. So God, they went too far. God did not spare them. So in the world, in the spiritual world, the world of the departed, there's a place where Lazarus and the rich man, okay, the rich man, when it, it all, it's all called Hades, the, uh, the, the word of the departed. Lazarus went into the bosom of Abraham, Luke chapter 16. And the rich man went into uh, a, a place of torment, of fire, and it's Hades, okay, torment in Hades. Now, that place of torment, there is a special chamber, it's like a prison within a prison. There's a special chamber there that is called the abyss. It is called Tartarus, that's the Greek, and abyssus, abyssus. Abyssos, sorry, A-B-U-S-S-O-S. Abyssos, that's the Greek. It's called the Abyssos. Abyssos is the same word that is usually translated as Abyss. That place is where those demons who misbehaved, who went that far, they were kept in chains in Abyssos. Are you getting where I'm coming from? They were kept in chains in Abyssos. Now look at the verse we just read. First, Second Peter chapter 2 again, verse 4. It says that if God did not spare the angels who sinned, what sin? Those who went that far, but cast them down to abyssos and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for it. There's always a judgment, a day of judgment where God will judge all his enemies. It's, it's coming. Look at Jude verse 6. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain. When you read, give me amplify, please. Let's look at the amplifier. And the angels who did not keep or careful, or guard, and hold their own first place of power. Now, the original Greek sounds like, they, um, give me the New American Standard Version, NASB. It says, the angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode. That is, they left that domain, the word translated domain, okay, the Greek word translated domain, is used twice, only twice in the New Testament. The other place it was used is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it says that we have, if this our earthly body, okay, we've grown earnestly desiring that, for we know that if our earthly house, this earthly house, this is destroyed, uh, this tent is destroyed. We have a building from God, a house made with. So, an earthly domain, an earthly, that same Greek word. So, this house, this, what you have been given to contain you, your region of jurisdiction as a being, is ontological terminology. As a being, your region of domain, you left that place. You left that place, so the angels did not stay in their domain, Jude uh, um, again. Let's go to the uh, New King James version, so can New King James. Uh, the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chains 
everlasting chains and the darkness for judgment of the great day. Uh, judgment of the great day. So this is the same. There are some angels in chains. There are some angels in prison. Demonic angels, angels in prison. This is all in the uh, uh, in the coexisting uh, invisible world. There's a lot going on in the invisible world. So they are in chains. That, that's for them. They can't come out to operate. They have been put in chains. So guess what? Demons don't like that. Demons don't want to go there because it's like severe punishment. So when Jesus met some demons in uh, a man full of devils in Luke chapter 8, verse 31, Jesus said, what's your name? They said, we are called legion. And they beg him, please don't send us to the abyss. Don't send us to the abyss. Do not, don't command, uh, uh, they beg him not to command them to go to the abyss. What is this abyss? Is that place, the abus, abusos, that there's a place, it's a bottomless pit, according to Revelation. That is where, the, in Revelation chapter, chapter 11, verse 7, and when they finish their testimony, the beast. So this one is talking about the, the beast, the Antichrist, who come from that bottomless pit. Chapter 17, verse 8, to the same thing. It says that it's going to come from that bottomless, the Antichrist will come from that bottomless pit bottom left pit in chapter 20 revelation chapter 20 verse 1 and verse 3 that's where finally satan will be put and i saw an angel coming down from heaven having the keys the keys to the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand look at verse 3 that's the end of satan and he cast him that satan into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal on it so that he would he will not deceive the nations anymore so that's finally that's where satan will go the bottomless pit is called the abyssus and guess what in Romans chapter 10, verse 7, it says that don't be asking questions like, oh, so who will go to heaven to bring out Jesus? Or who will go to the, who will descend to where the abyssus, that is to bring Christ up. When Christ died, ah, now you see where I'm going. When Christ died, he went to the abyssus. But what did he go to do there? What did he go to do in this abyssus? This abyssus where the they chain them, imprisoned devil, imprisoned demons. The imprisoned fallen angels have been kept. Why did he go there? Now bring us to First Peter chapter three, verse nineteen. That he was crucified, he died in the flesh, but he was quickened in the spirit. Then, by which, verse nineteen, by which he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Now it makes sense. He went to preach, uh, Pastor, he, what, what was the purpose of his preaching? How do you go and preach to people, demons? Who, before I even go further, I want you to understand about the invisible, invisible realm that coexists. They have an impact on us. Satan actually has a kingdom. Satan, a, a, a regimented and organized kingdom. Matthew chapter 12, verse 26, he said, if Satan is divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand? So Satan has, this Jesus talking, so Satan has a kingdom. Bible says he has delivered us from the Colossians 1 13. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness or the power. The power. So the king, just Satan has a kingdom and he has authority or power. He has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness, which also means the powers of darkness. Ephesians chapter, Ephesians chapter um, um, 6, verse 12. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers against rulers of the darkness of so there's these things are real it's real and satan has authority and he has angels in in acts chapter um 26 
verse 18. Acts 26, verse 18, it says that God has sent me to deliver them, turn them from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan. Another translation is the authority of Satan to God. So those who are not born again, they are under the power of Satan. They are under the authority of Satan. No wonder sometimes they treat you when they see you are standing very strongly for Christ. They Something in them, sometimes they can, even you, before you became born again, how you used to hate some of some people, apart from their nice works. That was drawing God to you. But sometimes you find them very annoying. The fact that he's a born again Christian, he just, he just even didn't want to hear that. It happens. So those who are not born again are under the power of Satan. Power of Satan. So he sends us as preachers to go as preachers of the gospel. The gospel is the only thing that can move people, deliver them from the power of Satan to God, from the kingdom of darkness to light. So he said, we, he has delivered us from the kingdom or from the powers of darkness into the, uh, into the glorious light of his dear son, Jesus Christ. Uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 13, please. He has delivered us. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of of the son of his love. So when we are born again, we have moved. We have moved. And so all his demonic guns are against us. And so when you are living your Christian life, don't think it's an ordinary life because there is a coexisting spiritual world. Quickly, let me go back to First Peter and finish that thing. So Jesus Christ, when he died, he went from what we can say, he went to the, uh, the pre went and preached to the pre, uh, spirits in prison. In according to Acts chapter 2, verse 27, the, 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 the psalmist said, for you will not leave my soul in hell. Talking about Jesus. That means that he went to hell when he was talking about uh, verse, verse 24, that but God raised him from the dead. Why? Because it was not possible, uh, having lose the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held of it. Verse 25, quickly. Let's go to, we are going to verse 25. David spoke about him concerning, uh, I foresaw the Lord in my face, for he was always on my right hand. Verse 20, uh, that, that, so they quoted what David said, therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, and my flesh rest in hope. When he died, he knew that he would be resurrected. Look at verse 27. Why did my flesh rest? Because that will not leave my soul in hell. So when Jesus died, where did he go? That hell, that hell is not like hell as in the end of everything. He went to, watch this, when he died, he went to the, 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 the world of the departed. So he went to where uh, um, Lazarus and Abraham there were. And then he went further to the prisons, the prison over there. The prison, the abyssus. Who don't say who will bring Christ from the abyssus? The abyss. He went to the abyss where the demons said, Please don't send us to the abyss. Abyss, don't send us to the abyss. He went to the abyss. And what did he go to do there? From First Peter chapter 3, verse 19. He went by which he went to preach to the spirits. Ah, by says spirit, yeah, angels are spirits. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14. Angels are spirits. He said, are they not ministering spirits sent? Are they not are, are they not all ministering spirits? Talking about angels sent to minister to the uh, minister to them that shall be heirs of salvation. So they are spirits. So he went and preached to the spirits, the spirits in prison. Now, that 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 raises the very interesting question here about the preaching. Preaching? What preaching is that? No, the Greek word translated preaching. There are two Greek words that can be translated preaching. Number one is this one you see, which is the original Greek word is, um, uh, yeah, Caruso. Caruso is Caruso. And the 
Caruso means to declare, make declaration, to make a proclamation. Is the way sometimes the breaking news, they are telling you something, or they come and declare something. In fact, NSB uses declaration proclamation to make a proclamation. So pastor is making declaration, proclaim, to say something aloud. Now, that is the word that was used in this sense. The other one is evangelizo. Evangelizo is where you preach, it's like an evangelist. When they went to preach the gospel, evangelizo, we preach the gospel, we, we announce the gospel so that people will believe the gospel and be changed. Now, this is, it is different from pronouncing and making a declaration. So when Jesus went to the spirits, to abbeys to go and preach, he wasn't preaching for them to be saved, but he was making a declaration. What was the declaration? You attempted to kill me. You attempted to spoil the work of God. You attempted to block the purpose of God. You will use all your powers to stop what God is doing. And when they, you, when I was born in my flesh, you tried to kill me. You tried to let them throw me down. You tried and finally you got me on the cross. But you thought when you got me on the cross, you have ended the purpose of God. But I came to declare to you that you have been overcome. Bible says in Colossians chapter 2 verse 15, Bible said he made an open show over them. He displayed, having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show uh, of them openly, triumphing over them. In Look at verse 14. Tessa is about the cross. It's about blotting out the handwriting of ordinance that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. It hasn't finished. Like verse 15. Nailing it to the cross and having poor principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in the cross. He walked over the devil's head. He crushed the head of the devil and he went to Abyssos and he going to make a declaration. You are now being condemned. I came to condemn you for the work you did to, to try to stop the work of God, to try to stop the purpose of God, to try to stop the redemptive program of God. I came to declare you have been overcome. You have been defeated. And what is he triumph over them in Hebrews chapter 2 verse, verse 14. Bible says that because the, his brethren were flesh and blood, he himself shared in the same. He himself also likewise took part of the same. That through death, through death, what did he do through death? He might destroy you who have the power of death, and uh, that is the devil. So his death destroyed the devil. His death was a powerful blow. Satan wanted to kill him. He said, bring it on. Bring it on. He tried in Abel. He said, bring it on. He tried to get rid of Moses. Bring it on. Tried to get rid of the Jews. Bring it on. Tried to get rid of Jesus when he was born. Bring it on. He tried several times, and finally, he managed to get him on the cross. He managed to pin him to the cross. So Satan thought the demons were rejoicing. They said, we got it. We got him. We got him. Those in Abyssos, get ready. You are about to come out because we got him. We have spoiled the plan of God. And they didn't know that he was triumphing over them. They told the devil no. The devil didn't know that Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, was triumphing over the devil on the cross. He was triumphing over the devil on the cross. After he has Consumatum est. After, after he has Tetelestai, he went to, so on the cross, his body was dead physically, but his spirit went to Hades and went to say, now, next time, when you see God's work, don't mess up. You are permanently here and the day of judgment is coming. We will judge you and throw the rest of all into hell, into this bottomless pit. That's why. And see, First Peter chapter 3. Look at verse 19. By which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Verse 20. 
which talking about these spirits, sometimes were disobedient. When once the long suffering, you know, I mentioned the long suffering of God, the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was a, a prepared. Give me New King James, give me New King James, please. Waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. Only eight souls were saved. But these who formerly were disobedient, talking about their spirits. So some people feel maybe it's a human spirit those times. The people who didn't make it in Noah's time, they felt like God felt, okay, let me send someone to preach to you. No, he didn't preach. He went to make a declaration. And these are spirits. And I, that's why I had to take my time to explain the sons of God, the fallen stars, the angels, the plan of God, so that it, it can, you can get it in the proper picture. These sons of God, they messed up human nature through sexual immorality. Through sexual immorality. And guess what? They transferred it. They set an example for Sodom and Gomorrah. Jude verse 6 again, as I end. Look at Jude, Jude verse 6, New King James Version. Jude verse 6, he said, And the angels who did not keep their proper domain, but left their own abode, he has reserved in everlasting chain on, uh, chains under darkness for the judgment of the great day. Look at the next verse. As Sodom and Gomorrah, the cities around uh, and the cities around them, in a similar manner, the same thing that happened, in a similar manner, to these, having given themselves over to sexual immorality and gone after, after what? After strange flesh, are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal. This, they went after strange flesh. That's what was happening. They went going for people you are not supposed to have sex with. <laughs> strange flesh. Strange flesh. Even if you fornicate, please don't let it be with a cat. <laughs> don't fornicate. This is a way of fornicate. But even if you go off, please don't go off for strange flesh. The generation that marriage comes under attack in always provoke the hand of God in an unusual way. But sometimes God waits for a very long time because He's long suffering. While the ark was preparing, while the ark, Bible says in Matthew chapter twenty-four. Verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will it be of the coming of the Son of Man. So also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Did you see that? The days of Noah might be repeating, but the Son of Man is coming. That's why, church, we have to preach the gospel and be instant in season. We have to give our best to our generation to draw people to Christ, because there is a day coming. When you look at the horizon, it keeps getting grimmer and grimmer, darker and darker, but it's because the days are evil. The days are short. It's not a time to hate people. It's not even Christian to hate people. You have to hate sin, but not people. This is not the time to be violent. This is not the time to be aggressive. This is not the time, but this is the time to Rescue people from the fire. This is the time we rise up and we start, watch the, we, it starts in prayer because it's a spiritual warfare. We are going to deliver people from the kingdom of darkness. Some of you, your lives have come under intense attack, organized attack from the kingdom of darkness through witches and wizards and 
all kinds of satanic programmings and activities and satanically demon possessed personalities in power in places of authority but we wrestle not against flesh and blood our fight is not against ordinary human agents there is an human other people don't know they will say what are you talking about i'm telling you there is an a co there is a coexisting invisible world and we in christ we are aware and we have to deal with the powers because we have what it takes he took only a third of the angels one third so that means two thirds and christ are still there christ is living in you and two thirds of the angels are with us oh come on his own is small his own is small we are winning that's why this is the victory that overcomes the world even our faith jesus died for us so we can live and continue the purpose of god on earth until the day that he's coming back i pray that today's teaching has been a blessing to you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.